ಉಪಕಾಯ ಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾಯಕೃಷ್ಣಾ ನಮಃ ವಸುದೇವಸುತಂಗ್ದೇವ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ ದೇವಕೀ ಪರಮಂದ ಕೃಷ್ಣಂ ವಂದೇ ಜಗತ್ಗುರು So before we continue our studies on the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, we will just highlight on the slokas which we are dealing with the yoga. It will be just a highlight. We won't even revise so that we can connect with the succeeding slokas which we are going to take up today. So, so from the 25th to the 31st which we were studying in the last class the verses 25 to 31st of the fourth chapter which deals with the various type of yagyas and now in the 32nd verse we will find that what he is speaking that how all these various types of yagyas can help us to liberate from the worldly bondage means uh, material bondage it's not exactly spiritual though it prepares us for the spiritual journey but it's in the uh, pure sense not spiritual just as we saw that the brahmachari he is supposed to control his senses so that he has the idea that it is not that i'm renouncing everything all the so called pleasures of life is waiting for me in future so for the time being i delay my gratifications so that i can just be gaining the long term gains by renouncing the short term gains the little pleasures of life i renounce for something bigger goal is waiting for me so with that as a student your yagya was to renounce the so called trivial pleasures for some higher goal now as a householder as you have already practiced the delaying of gratification now your life has become bit integrated so now of course as a householder we all have to pursue the sensate pleasures of life they have to uh, sustain, they have to pursue for wealth because it is the householder who is the nodal point of the enter society it is the house it is the one who is the earning member he is supporting the children he is supporting even the elders in any society you will find the elders who are vulnerable in the, the the tax which you are giving to the government it's again coming back in the form of all the various social services for the disabled for the elderly who are vulnerable so it is the earning members who are sustaining the entire society so you have to earn you have to resort to the sensate pleasures of life for the continuation of life but as as a brahmachari as a student you have already practiced the delaying of gratification so you have already developed the self control so now you will be resorting to the sensate pleasures of life in a way which is prescribed which is something which is prescribed by the scriptures 
which is something which the society also gives its uh, consent so those are all the legitimate so called pleasures of life you are resorting to it but that also not with the sense of that i am resorting for my own satisfaction there is a greater welfare behind it so what i am doing that i am i having the idea that just when you are earning the money in your mind if the idea is always there it is after all for the welfare of the society i am doing some work to sustain myself i do need some money that i do get from my work but my aim is not just to earn that money uh, at the cost of the work many will be the mercenaries you will they will find uh, most of us in this world that yes therefore my my job entails this much of work only i am paid for this much i am not going to do anything beyond that so there i can change my attitude that yes i am paid for this because i have to sustain myself but this work has given me an opportunity to serve the society in certain way if it be required if i get the opportunity to serve in a better way in spite of the fact that i am not paid for it well and good because my life can be sustained with what i am getting so that way you will find you are doing yagya so though you are resorting to the sensed pleasures of life for the welfare of the greater this goodness if i just can define god in the way swami vivekananda has defined god if you say every, offer everything to the divine many may say i don't believe in god but if i say if you offer it to the greater goodness for the collective goodness that many will even the atheist will agree and that's why we find the definition of god given by swami vivekananda no one can deny what is that unselfishness is god so even if i believe in a personal god do i think my god is selfish no he is compassionate towards all in same manner whether he is a sinner whether he is a uh, a holy person god's love is there for all he is not having any hierarchy in his love he is compassionate towards all being in all the religions feels that way so even if you are a, a believer believer of a god a personal god that unselfishness is god holds true if you are an advaitin you don't uh, believe in a personal god you believe in that conscious principle with which we are all one again the same thing the conscious principle because of the ego barrier is somehow appearing as the individual you break off the ego barrier you are one with that conscious principle again that unselfishness is god and if you are an atheist you don't believe in god but even an atheist they believe in the collective goodness no one will say that my life is uh, of most importance even at the cost of others even if you have such an idea you have to hide that idea you cannot open up with that idea to the society that are my that uh, if you can if you just try to say that my selfishness my welfare is most important even if it be at the cost of others then the only place for us is in the jail there they are there because they think that way that i for my welfare i can steal i can rob in no way i am bothered about others uh, yeah, what is the welfare my welfare is the prime that my sensed pleasures that is the prime so i go for all sorts of wrongdoings i so there there's only place is the jail you cannot live in the society 
So for them also you will find unselfishness is God is the ultimate thing. So that's after saying that for the household, that for the student, he renounced his all his desires for some achieving some higher goal. And now I am resorting to the censored pleasures in a restricted way as prescribed by the society, as prescribed by the scriptures with an orientation. It is not for my personal pleasure. It is for the collective goodness. So there you, you are practicing again unselfishness. So that was the second yajna. The yajna where I am sacrificing my so the so-called pleasures of life for the welfare of others, for the common good. And then as a vanaprasthi, as a sannyasi, when you have already taken care of the so-called uh, responsibilities of your life, now have entered into a stage where as a human being, we can never remain satisfied only with the sense of level of existence. The question that what after this? Does the life end with my death or does it continue? Is there some existence which is perennial? These questions are bound to dawn in our mind. Even in the old age, we find do find people. They say we don't uh, think of those questions. Actually, they are telling a lie. They also, that question, the moment the question dawns in their mind, they immediately go out to socialize. Because that very much disturbs them. That what will happen to me after my death? Immediately, but as they don't really want to ponder that question, to avoid that question, they will go and socialize. But if they say that question doesn't arise in my mind, it is a false statement. Actually, they are running away from that question. Most of the time you will find. That Sri Ramakrishna says in the old age, as a person has nothing to do, he's playing cards. You're deviating. Swamiji gives a very nice example. He says what? <clears throat> that, uh, the, you know, the rabbit. When the rabbit is chased by the predator, it will run. Naturally, it will run. It will have to save itself. And when it finds that it is going to be overtaken by the predator, it cannot compete with the predator, it is going to catch him. At last, the rabbit will somehow dig a hole in the ground or somewhere and hide its face. Just its face, it will hide there. So when it hides its face, it cannot see the predator. And it thinks, I'm safe. But is it safe? No, the predator is there. It is going to catch and kill him. So Swamiji is saying, the death is there, like the predator, waiting for us. However, you may hide your face in the so-called socializing and other, even the philanthropic activities, sometimes not for helping others, just to run away from myself. I do all sorts of activities. So we have to judge ourselves properly. So at certain age, that big question do come. And there comes that real spirituality. Now, the idea that from the scriptures, from the illumined souls, who have really pondered that question and came back with an answer, that there is an existence beyond this, that you are the self, which has no annihilation. You are fulfilled. Only thing, you, the, as long as you, because of ignorance, are attached to this phenomenal world of existence, you have to go round and round in this cycle of birth and death. And that entails suffering. For some time, when the nature is providing you everything, you are happy. The moment the nature is taking away from you everything, you are in abject misery. So why go through, through, through this process of trough and trust? Why not be in that perpetual bliss? If simply I can 
detach myself from my association with this phenomenal existence and always be in association with my real nature which is pure divine so now there is no more question of delaying your gratification this gratification has no use at all for me why not renounce that so for renouncing that this and by sublim uh, how that renunciation comes not by thinking of some higher goals worldly goals in life by constantly thinking of your self and the more you are attuned to the self the more your worldly attachment starts falling off once for all not just delaying it falls off once for all so that was the third type of yagya which was spoken of and now in the 32nd as a conclusion what bhagavad gita is saying evam vahu vidha yagya vitata brahmano mukhe karmajan vidhi tan sarvan evam gyatva vimokshyase so these are the various kinds of yagyas which has been described in the vedas so it is a conclusion evam bahu vidha yagya vitata brahmano brahmano is the vedas brahmano mukhe karmajan they are all the products of work means as a brahmachari that you it you are renouncing something for some higher goal it speaks of dravya it speaks of your mind your body and its interaction with the world as a householder the same thing even as long as you have couldn't renounce the entire world in the process of anaprastha and the sanyasa at the beginning when you have resorted to upasana still the mind is a dravya here this dravya the word dravya will come in the next sloka the dravya means something which is material from the vedantic standpoint of view anything with which the consciousness is associated is material even your mind is something dravya even your body is dravya and the external world which is constantly interacting with the mind and body is of course dravya so as long as you are within the domain of mind and senses it is all dravya so they are all the products of karma so all these yagyas which are the product of karma they know it for certain but have a huge benefit in life they always help us to outgrow our limitation we do feel as a brahmachari i felt that i have to excel in life at the if i remain in my present state which is a limitation i have to outgrow that to reach that even as a householder you had that felt sense of limitation which made you to work to earn money even when as a vanaprastha you do feel that i am yet to be attuned to my real nature for that you are constantly resorting to contemplation that also is a type of work all these works is trying to outgrow is helping you to outgrow from your limitations so that's why in that sense they all liberate you but it's not the final liberation so karmajan vidhi tan sarvan evam gyatva vimokshase if you know this yagya the life cannot be without yagya yagya in another sense is tapas tapasya some sort of endeavor should always be there that's why in sanskrit all the four stages of life has been called ashrama you know what's the real meaning of ashrama shrama means endeavor you know in all the indian languages shrama means endeavor some form of endeavor is shram and in sanskrit a prefix is always used 
in the sense of encompassing like nanda means happiness but you when you say ananda it means from the beginning to the end it's full of happiness there is no uh, speck of a little suffering in between the full of happiness that is ananda many say there was no concept of the india as a nation before the british came it's a wrong idea you know sanskrit literature in many places you will find the word aa samudra himachal in kalidas literature aa samudra himachal whenever they speaking of a land from the ocean to the himalayas aa samudra encompassment again so this is a land one land aa samudra himachal so whenever you are using the word aa it is used in the sense of encompassment now shrama before that when you are using aa means a stage of life from where from the very beginning to the end you have to endeavor there should be some shrama there is no leisure but that nature of shrama is changing as a brahmachari the shrama was something different as a householder your shrama was some different and now uh, now whereas we have the idea of retirement but in vedic society even vanaprastha is a ashrama sanyasa is also ashrama that endeavor is that you your sadhana something to struggle to go beyond the limitation is always there even vanaprastha is an ashrama there is even sanyasa is an ashrama so there is no sense of retirement throughout your life you have to endeavor your nature of endeavor will change but you have to endeavor to really go beyond the limitations and that's the idea of vimoksha say in this 32nd shloka so the 33rd what they are saying so now we will see from 25th to the 31st various type of yagyas were spoken of but before that in the 24th uh, we studied that brahma pranam brahma havi it spoke of brahma yagya after speaking of brahma yagya they spoke of this various yagyas now here they are saying this very interesting that that after all the aim is to get established in that brahma yagya where you see the divine and divine alone in the entire existence as a goal of life whatever stage of life i may be my ultimate goal is to see the divine in the entire creation is to see that so that all the suffering stops i go beyond all the suffering i get liberated so in the 24th verse we studied that so now in the 33rd verse they will say that all the material yagyas which we have spoken of from 25th to 31st the yagya the brahma yagya which was spoken of in the 24th verse is much better is better so our aim of life in whatever stage i may be is to pursue for that so that i get established in that that will be spoken of in the 33rd verse of this fourth chapter what it is saying shreyan dravyamayat yagyat gyana yagya parantapa dravya mayat so as i as we were mentioning even your mind is dravya even your senses are dravya what to speak of all the external things with which the mind and senses are related so this all your dealings with your mind and senses and the external objects is all dravya so all the yagyas which were spoken of from the 25th to the 31st are dravya yagya so something and the uh, means the yagya which was spoken of before that the 24th that is better shreyan so oh 
Parantapa, O subduer of enemies, O Arjuna, Sreyan, Dravyamayat Yajyat. From this Dravyamaya Yajya, what is better? The Jnana Yajya, the Brahma Yajya, which was spoken of in the 24th verse. Sarva Karma Akhilang Partha Jnana Parisamapyate. Why? That whatever may be the endeavor of life, ultimately we all want to get established in that Jnana, that knowledge. So here many will be just saying that after all for a spiritual life we have to segregate that I have to leave my responsibilities and just go with the deep contemplation to realize myself. In the Gita, in each and every phase, everywhere you will find nowhere it is speaking of that. If you re really can read the Gita between the lines, you will find nowhere. What they are saying, after saying that the Brahma Yagya is the best, that doesn't mean you leave everything and just start contemplating on Brahma. All these various Yagyas, they are something which are subordinate to the Brahma Yagya, but they are the preparations. Through them, by attaining Chitta Shuddhi, you can go to that state where you can realize that the entire existence is nothing but Brahman and Brahman alone. And then you, your life becomes a Yagya of knowledge, of the Brahman. So that's the stage where you have to reach. Just like saying that the PhD degree is of course higher than the graduation, than your school and the kindergarten. It's the highest degree compared to this other. But that's, that doesn't mean that I can pursue that directly. These are all the preparation stages, the kindergarten, the school, your college, your master's degree, everything was the stages through which you have gone at last to that higher stage. So after saying that that is the highest, Brahma Yagya, the next line is saying, Sarva Karma Akhilang Partha Gyane Parisamapya. That doesn't mean that you can just jump to that Brahma Yagya directly. These are the various stages through which you at last reach the state of Gyana. Sarva Karma, all these karmas. Akhilam, whatever you are doing in this entire existence, Akhilam is in this world. <clears throat> whatever you are doing, whatever actions you are doing, in whatever stage of life you are, keep that spiritual goal always in your mind. That at last, these are all the preparations which is taking me through the process of Chitta Shuddhi. If I always keep in mind that after all, I am just an instrument. As a Brahmachari, as a Grihastha, as a Vanaprastha, whatever the stage of life. The ego within me makes me feel I am the doer. But actually you will find it is not you are the doer. The inner feeling within you I have to excel. From where it is coming? From the self ultimately. The self which is beyond all limitation is constantly making you feel I have to outgrow the limitations. The only mistake is I am trying to do uh, what with the help of something which are limited. The mind and the senses. Means it, what has happened? That example which we give, that you are stand, suppose standing in front of a mountain and you shout your name and then the, your name echoes back and you feel someone is calling you from the mountains, isn't it? It's actually you who are calling, it is echoing back. So that has happened with us. The self within us is constantly saying you are eternal. There is no 
limitation in you and your eternal and that is echoed from the body and mind and I feel the body and mind is saying I am eternal and nothing there is no limitation and now I constantly endeavor to realize that eternity through the body and mind because it is saying and I find the body dies no it has to live long it has a lot of dissatisfaction I have to give it a lot of pleasures so that it is always head happy a time comes when I realize that I have been mistaken I am taking the ego to be the real actually it is I who am really eternal who is really always fulfilled is saying I am eternal I am fulfilled hearing the ego I was confused I thought that to be the reality and when that mistake that when that wrong notion falls off that is jnana here the jnana is misspoken of as that that wrong notion has fallen off that after all I can never realize the eternity of the body and mind because it's only the ego that is the body mind is a flow it can never be eternal this world is a flow it is constantly changing it cannot be eternal but hearing the ego I was confused and why I was trying to find the eternity in a thing in which you can never realize so then the renunciation comes then that real knowledge dawns in so that's the thing through all these actions from the bacteria from the microbe to the human being in the entire process of evolution this is the all the actions which are going on at last to end up in that knowledge that you are the brahman and brahman alone all this endeavor all this endeavor which is going on through the ignorance has to end up in that knowledge just we give that example again again a small bacteria a small bacteria what it is doing you look through a microscope what it is doing if you give some nutrient it is moving towards it if you give some toxin it is running away from it these two things will explain the entire life that the even behind the bacteria the conscious principle is there the conscious principle now is getting reflected from the bacterial body and the bacterial body feels I am eternal I am always fulfilled but it finds it's not a little change of the parameters of the climate of the environment is going to annihilate him so it's always trying nutrient or oh, that will sustain me let me go towards it some toxin or oh, that is going to kill me let me go away from it why that micro body thinks I am eternal that eternity something is spoken of by the self it is echoing through the microbial body and the microbial body is now confused it thinks I have to uh, experience the eternity which is being constantly echoed from within through this body it can never happen and that's how the biological evolution started it started because of that ignorance entire biological evolution in Vedanta is not disagreeing they say yes it starts from that ignorance now what happens the cell starts conglomerating to fight with the nature that okay I alone cannot fight with the nature efficiently let us all conglomerate form a group of cell let us cooperate you take care of digestion I take care of respiration I take care of circulation that's what your heart your brain they are all specialized they're all doing various functions how that bacteria in, in its constant struggle against the nature at last evolved as a human being but beyond that that ignorance was there that I am eternal but somehow I cannot realize that within this body mind as a human being the apex of evolution where we are the one who can look back and see that what has happened and realize that I am already eternal I was somehow confused with that ego I was confused with that ego and took that ego to be real and that has resulted in all this 
I realize, now I understand this is a futile attempt. I can never realize eternity through something which is a flow. I'm already that. Why this endeavor? So I step back and this speaks of renunciation. This speaks of jnana. This renunciation, this knowledge, at last, again, will entail your freedom. You're already free. You realize it again. You were forgetful about it. You somehow ignorance came and covered that knowledge. You again become free. And that's the idea. Sarva karma khilang partha jnani parisamapyate. Through the process of chitta shuddhi, as through this all these experiences of life, at last you gain that knowledge. And that results in your mukti, in your liberation. So sarva karma akhilam partha jnani parisamapyate. It aims in that knowledge. The moment that knowledge dawns in, the renunciation becomes spontaneous. You don't have to force yourself for renunciation. It becomes spontaneous. You know what all this is for. I'm already eternal. As that example they give, that a deer, the smell of the musk is coming from its own navel. And it gets mad for that with, with that smell. It thinks that the smell is coming from somewhere else. And it starts running in search of that source of the smell. And it gets so exhausted, sometimes it dies. Without knowing that the source of the smell is in its own navel. It dies and that's what our life is. The source of happiness, the source of fulfillment, the source of eternity is within us. But we are chasing, chasing after that, thinking it is somewhere else, it is somewhere else. The moment we realize that, that realization is the jnana, which has been spoken of here, all the actions now cease to be. So that's sarva karma khilang partha jnana parisamapyate. So now the process of acquiring this knowledge of the self, but how to acquire that knowledge? So that will be now spoken of in the remaining portions, remaining verses of the fourth chapter. From the 34th to the 40th, uh, 42nd, there are 42 verses in this fourth chapter. So this remaining will be speaking the process by which I can get established in that jnana. That's why this chapter is called Jnana Yoga. So till now what we were studying, we will conclude with the process by which we are going to attain that jnana. And we will find it is not something separate from what has been told. It is just a change of orientation. The same life goes on. But changing your orientation, you get established ultimately in that truth. So that will be spoken of from the 34th to the last verse, the 42nd verse of this chapter. So now let's enter into the 34th verse of the 4th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. But how to acquire that knowledge that the entire existence is nothing but the self and self alone. The Brahman, which is finding expression as this universe, Sarva, this Sarvam Khalu Idam Brahma, Sarvam Khalvidam Brahma. These are the Vedic dictum. The Vedas have proclaimed it. How to realize that in my life and go beyond this transmigratory existence. So, how the first thing is Tat Vidhi. Learn it. Tat Vidhi means learn it. How? Pranipatena by prostration, pari prashnena by enquiry, pari prashnena and sevaya through service. So 
तद्विधि प्रणिपातेन प्रणिप्रश्नेन सेवया उपदीक्ष्यन्ति ते ज्ञानम ज्ञानिनस्तत्वदर्शिना सो दिस नॉलेज व्हेन यू अप्रोच विद अ ह्यूमिलिटी with the inquiry in your mind you have a tremendous inquiry and you approach the teacher with the humility and with the intention to serve him what the service means we will come to it then only the teacher finding you as a real aspirant who really is wanting that knowledge will diverse that knowledge to you so this is the idea that in the vedic idea that if you know have to have that knowledge have you have to approach the teacher who is a realized soul who is a realized soul you have to approach him with humility so first is prostration speaks of that humility why that humility so without humility there can be no knowledge whenever i have to attain some knowledge that first thing is that the one whom i am approaching he knows the truth he is established in it i am not so this I have to accept at first at the very beginning if you for most of us what happens we read the scriptures a little and we think i have understood everything now i go to the teacher most of the time not really to gain the knowledge but to show him i know i know that knowledge and to encounter that i will uh, say something and i will ask something he will reply and i will now with my knowledge try to prove that that's not the thing uh, uh, which you know i also know and most probably i know better so if you go with that type of attitude we can never learn we can never learn so first of all that humility that you ha- you have realized that there is what you say in your life a wide gap between your understanding and the way of life you are leading <clears throat> so i say brahman i am brahman and then what happens then when uh, i am just sitting and trying to meditate thinking i am after all uh, a bit a refined soul holier than thou attitude develops others are uh, have no religious inclination and at home we will find that once i develop that attitude i feel all are so much disturbing they don't understand that uh, my mind my orientation and i start feeling they are all hindrance now you say you are brahman and constantly you are fighting you will find that those who uh, profess to be religious sometimes they are the most quarrelsome people constantly fighting with others why have developed that holier than attitude than thou attitude but just see the contradiction when you are seeing everything is brahman how come the one with whom you are fighting you cannot see the brahman in him if everything is brahman then he is also brahman the moment you say that you are not allowing me to the life i am leading but what life you are leading you are just leading that the which the goal is that to see the god in everything as in bhagavatam very nicely it has been spoken of that when while taking food by accident your tongue gets bitten by your teeth whom do you blame is the same the same person it is you only who have bitten your tongue with your teeth whom to blame so when you know there is only one existence there is no question of confrontation fight so what happens that unless we really know that the world is a projection 
we are going to we are bound to take it as real we can never uh, understand that it is unreal we may say that is that's why in upanishads they say it is ativada we may be saying this world is unreal only brahman is real but these are just mere words you haven't realized so your actions will never be in uh, in conformation to what you are saying that is as sri ramakrishna used to say in kali yuga that speaking the truth is the biggest tapas tapasya right that we are professing so much so much of things but our life never reflects what we are saying so even we read the now in the olden days reading scriptures was not easy there was no printing press there was no media there was in just now internet you search you get everything bhagavad gita bhagavatam everything is there just at the tip of your uh, there's a click of your just with the, your uh, the keyboard you go and click you search you get it in the olden days the teacher will find out whether you are really uh, what is having that eligibility to study that scripture then he will start divulging it to you otherwise so it was not available it was not available at all and now we may say that this is a better type of uh, what you say this world with all the is in a way it's of course good but sometimes what is happening with all this knowledge which we have in our hand hand we are full of information we are speaking it out but we don't realize the guru was required to this what you say this uh, uh, remove this gap between your understanding and what you are saying mon muk aki hocche kali yuger tapasya in this age it's big tapasya because we find all the information is with us and we just go on speaking what we haven't realized in life so here that humility speaks of that i realize i have read the scriptures i understand intellectually understand but my life doesn't reflect and i see a person who is an integrated person his words matches what he says he doesn't have a single false step he is like an adept dancer when i when we start uh, learning to dance what we do that we have to be very very attentive that my step shouldn't fall out of the rhythm a little carelessness i will find i am out of the rhythm but the one who is an adept dancer he, she or he he or she is teaching the student the music is being played he or she is speaking teaching the student and her steps are falling unconsciously and you will find marvelous not a single step falls out of the rhythm that she is not fully conscious about it but she has become an adept on it that's what sri ramakrishna has given an example an adept dancer's step is never a false step it's always in rhythm so you realize this fact of life that the teacher whom i think as the teacher i see that he is leading the life what he speaks his life is a total internalization of the values and then that humility comes that my knowledge yes i know as sri ramakrishna used to say that this in the vulture flies high up in the sky but its total its, its focus is on the carrion some rotten flesh in the ground all our with all our knowledge that's our condition we are flying very high but our always our intentions are very selfish very carnal very down to the earth so the education is the internalization of the earth. if it has not transformed your life your mind and your speech are not conforming that's no education at all seeing the life of sri ramakrishna swami vivekananda learned that what's real education 
in some of the places in the complete works. The complete works is actually the uh, commentary of Sri Ramakrishna's life. And many doesn't understand it. But once you really start studying it intently, you'll find it is just the commentary of Sri Ramakrishna's life. In one place, uh, he's saying education is the nervous association of ideas. What is education? It is not just gathering of information. It is the nervous association of ideas. Just see this, that in the life of Ramakrishna's life, when he was a sadhaka, he was doing his sadhana, spiritual practices, the idea dawned that is the wealth and the sensitive places of life, these are big distractions. That doesn't allow me to be aligned to the spiritual dimension of my reality. So I renounce them. So it was not just the word of his mouth. So whatever salary he used to get, he will just uh, mix it up with a, uh, what is a, a mound of clay and throw it in the Ganges by saying that this currency is just as good as this a, a lump of soil. It is worthless. So he renounced. He won't touch even the currency. And in those days, even now also, the, now of course the currency have become plastic, paper, whatever it may be. But in those it was just pure metal, all the coins. So coins means metal, that means currency. So I renounce that. So Ramakrishna literally renounced all metals. He won't touch metals at all. So even in his last days when he used to have food, it was always in the this you know this this plantain leaf, banana leaf. They will never use plates. Why it happened? He used. It's not that. He's physically has renounced. He used to get terrible pain if he touches metal. Even unconsciously, if he touches metal, he will feel as if a scorpion has bitten him. And Narendra Nath, being the student of the college uh, in those days, you know that he was, in a, he was educated in the English way of education. He was skeptic. He thought it cannot be. It must be some pretension. So what he did one day when Ramakrishna was not in his room, he kept a coin below the mattress. In India, the mattresses are quite thin. It's not the big thick mattress. So it is just in the below that mattress he kept the coin, and he was hiding to see Ramakrishna's reaction when he comes back to his room. After some time, he went to the temple, and when he was coming back to his room, when he came back to his room, and when he sat on his bed, immediately jumped up, and he called his nephew Ramlal. Ramlal, please come, please search if there anything is there on the bed. And when Jesus removed the mattress, they found that coin. And Sri Ramakrishna immediately understood that someone must be testing him. And then Naren, uh, Vivekananda came out. And Ramakrishna was very happy. He told, that's the way you should judge a sadhu. You should see him in the day, in the night. Because a spiritual aspirant cannot be a part-time. It cannot, the spiritual, uh, spirituality cannot be a part-time affair. That for the time being I am a sadhu and then again I am a household. It cannot be. If you are leading a spiritual life, it has to be 24 by 7. So what he is saying, Shadhu ke dine degibi, rate degibi, tobe shadhu ke shadhu We have to see him day in, day out, day and night. Then you have to recognize him as a real holy man. So he was happy. And Naren also through all his skepticism, when he accepted Ramakrishna as his guru, that was a pure division, uh, devotion. That was pure sincere devotion. Now he was humble enough to accept him as a guru. In his much later life, when Nivedita, this, uh, this means 
the margaret noble she used to question a lot she used to question a lot uh, and others used to get very much disturbed you say why you always accept him he is such a holy man accept him as your teacher why you are always uh, confronting him and then what uh, narendra told is very interesting he told that it is me who actually have questioned my master a lot but i can claim no one is a greater disciple of ramakrishna than me i can claim that through all those questions at last i have through all those experiments at last i am convinced of the fact that he, he is a realized soul of the highest order and i am fully with full humility i am i have offered my life to him so it came through that so all this questioning is not bad that's why what he was saying that let no one think that she is doing something wrong it is through this if you have that earnestness the what are the things which has been spoken of that pari prashna that enquiry is there that enquiry makes you to constantly that uh, seek for the truth and when you are seeking at last when you realize that yes this is the man on whom the values have been internalized he is speaking something nothing which doesn't reflects his life then that humility comes you accept him and seva what the seva it's not doing some personal service that i in my life becomes now you say that a this just unswavering following of what my master has said whatever he has said that is the ultimate truth and now i as i have full devotion and now i follow i don't deviate from it that becomes the seva it's not that just going and just doing some personal service and then i live my life as i wish that's not seva the seva is that what he has said how it is seva how it is seva because anyone will want that if i have get got some treasure that treasure should be preserved that's the biggest seva isn't it if you have a treasure and if you know it is going to be lost you will be miserable so these spiritual teachers they found that the scriptures what i have spoken is not something useless they are a treasure they have internalized in their life and if they find no one is to take it from them there will be a break of that lineage and that knowledge will be lost that knowledge will be lost it is only through their lives that parampara the it is the parampara that keeps that knowledge alive so the, what's the best way of doing service to the guru he knows he has a treasure and that treasure will be lost if someone doesn't internalize that in their life and live that life then he is happy oh i could somehow that give the treasure in worthy hands and that will be continued so that's the biggest service so that seva means of that you live the life just the way your guru has led the life you also start without deviating from the truth otherwise it is just flattering you just go and say oh you are great and there it ends it's flattering it's not seva the real seva is in trying to follow the words of the master as to the with my great struggle i try to follow it in detail without deviating from it so when i have resorted to this this pari pranipata pari prashna seva then the guru will divulge that knowledge he he has has to observe because he knows that this knowledge just simply cannot be 
transmitted by words one has to be ready for it one has to be ready for it then only it can be that's why we find sri ramakrishna becoming kalpataru at only in the last phase just few months before he passed away in the august 16th of 1886 he passed away the first january of that year so throughout his life disciples were coming he had to wait to find that the disciples have really are now open enough to accept what he has to give bhagwan even here in bhagavad gita only in the last chapter bhagwan will say at last sarva dharman parityajya mahamekam sharanam braja it's not easy why he is saying it in the last chapter first he is going through all these instructions that you try through all those things that will at last help you to open up and then only i can deliver so that's the idea of pranipata pariprashna seva and when you are really open for it the guru comes when the flower is has bloomed the bees are bound to come they don't need the bees don't need gps do they need gps where is the flower let me find out they will come the plan of the universe is such you go to the penguin islands you will see the wonderful gps in the nature there's so many penguins they're going every day morning to the ocean coming back the children are the small ones are waiting it's a huge area the small ones each and every one have their own nest and the mother and the the mother they finds out the children they don't know never get lost they come just it's a wonderful sight to see that how that if you sick you get if you see we think that without the this gps without this map how can we find but if you are a real seeker the nature has divided in such such a way that anything you seek you are bound to get the entire nature will conspire to make your desire successful it is the plan of the nature but you have to really seek that intense seeking what is the seeking sometimes someone came to ramakrishna and told oh i seek god but i have there is no change in my life no transformation then he told that interesting story that a guru a disciple came and told his guru that i seek god but i don't see him and the guru asked do you really seek god well yes then guru just took him for a, a deep in the pond nearby pond and when the guru and the disciple both just uh, dipped inside the water now guru pressed the head forcefully inside the water of the disciple he pressed him and he was not allowing to get up he was gasping for breath at last when he felt he is going to suffocate and die and then the guru released him he came out took a deep breath and the guru asked how were you feeling well, i was gasping for breath why you did that or well, do you feel for god that way that's the way what i was speaking then you feel that you are going to die you are in the forest of this life you are as if burning in the pyre the way one who is has burning in the pyre the way he wants just wants to rush in the water it's a fact uh, uh, one was relating to me that you know he was some uh, a trade person who was working in a multi story building and <clears throat> in the the main switch box there was some short circuit and there was some spark from which he caught fire with his all his dress and everything and he says i was on the fourth st- story and there was just a glass pane i was in fire and i could i could see just below there is a swimming pool well i never gave a thought single thought 
I moment immediately just broke the glass pane and jumped on that swimming pool. Just see from the fourth layer. <clears throat> and somehow he was saved. He was saved. Then I realized that when you are in fire, the way you want water then. Just you forget everything. You will be jumping. That's the intensity. He's for the, that, no, that time no thought comes that will I survive? That I'm from such a height if I fall, nothing. Sishtama simply jumped. I simply jumped so that the way you are in this, so that's the sense of intense sense of necessity that the world, I am in the fire of this world. I have to be saved. When that intense is your, uh, but, 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 is your yearning, that intense, know it for certain, that entire nature will conspire to make your necessity a realization. So that's why it's not something, a question of exclusiveness, that Guru is there to just grant his blessing to few, not to others, nothing like that. He really sees that whether we are open to it, whether we can receive it, whether when the moment we receive it, then that's the second line, Upadekshyanti Tegyanam. Such Guru is going to give the Upadesha, that knowledge, that one who is really ready. And who is that Guru? He is not the one who just knows the scripture intellectually. He is Tattva Darshi. He has realized the truth in his life. Tattva Darshina. Jnana, Jnaninas, Tattva Darshina. He has seen, he has realized the truth in his life. He has become a living embodiment of the scriptures. Then only, seeing you ready for it, then only he will divulge that knowledge. So that's the first criteria which has been spoken of. So we will take up the remaining slokas from the 35th to the 42nd, which speaks of this process by which we can acquire that knowledge, the tremendous humility we require, the tremendous yearning, the tremendous uh, that the uh, what's the resolution to follow the dictums which has been spoken of by the Guru. These are the very first qualifications which has been spoken of in the 34th. And it will speak of few more qualifications. Not only that, that, that jnana, what, what it is going to do in your life, what transformation is being in your life, that also will be spoken of. We will take them up again in the next class. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.